Welcome to Ask the Latina. I'm your host, Terry Beltran. This program is about the opportunity to ask and learn from a Latina trailblazer with the mission to inspire and motivate Latinas to enter a career where we just do not have enough representation. For more resources, visit our website, askthelatina.com. Welcome to Ask the Latina. My guest today is Estela Baca. She is a sales engineer, and I'm really excited to have her because this is an area that Latina should consider. And we're going to get started with learning more about this. So you can see that in lots of industries, a sales engineer is definitely a great career. Hello, Estela. Thank you for being with us today. Hi. Thank you for having me, Teresa. Hello, everyone. Very excited to be here. Well, let's first start with uh, where you grew up, where you're from, your heritage, and what was it like being in high school? Perfect. Um, so I grew up in a place called Teciutan, Puebla. It is located about six hours away from Mexico City. This is a very small town. Um, I grew up with my grandmother. My mom had to come to the United States to be able to provide for me, so the best solution for her at the time was to leave me with my grandma. Um, growing up, I never had plans of going to college. In my family, we come from a very humble family. The most education anybody ever got was probably going to junior high. So if you made it to junior high, you were well educated. Uh, my grandmother did in fact do, did send a few of my aunts to kind of learn a trade. They learned how to do sewing, clothes sewing, because it was very popular in our town. That was a way to make um, money. So I thought in my head, oh, I'm probably going to do that. Or we had a small farm at home. And so I thought if I don't sew clothes, I can probably do farming. You know, I can, I can sell piglets or I can sell chickens. Or that was my train of thought. I had no idea. But my mom had different plans for me. So she said that when she came to the United States, um, her idea was that one day she was going to bring me here and I was going to go to college. I didn't know that. She had a vision for me, but I didn't know. I was a kid, you know. So sometimes moms, as we have a vision for our children, and I think it really helps. So I think her vision really carried me through. It was my grandmother and my mom that combined together made me who I am today, thankfully. Um, so growing up, going to high school was very interesting. I was the very first one in my family to go to high school, uh, and it was nerve-wracking. I thought, um, this is way too big for me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And that same year that I was a uh, freshman in high school, my mom told me that I needed to move with her to California. I didn't know how to speak English. And I was so terrified. I thought, oh, my God, my entire life is going to be upside down. What am I going to do? And she said, well, you have two choices. You can either come with me or you can stay there, but I'm not going to support you anymore. Like you have you have mm -hmm. a choice. Like, you can stay there and support yourself or you can come with me and I will support you and you'll have to go to school. So I ended up moving with her in 1999. And um, my freshman year was definitely a challenge. Number one, it was the um, language barrier. I didn't know how to speak any English at all. And all my classes were in English. Um, I remember running through those hallways with the backpack, like, oh, my God, where am I supposed to go? And I will ask people. And, of course, it's California. So we did have a very big population of people that spoke Spanish. Mm -hmm. But in high school, kids could be very intolerant. And there was times where they would make fun of you, like, oh, you don't know how to speak it. And they would tell you where to go. But I, I think one thing that that taught me was to be okay with being uncomfortable. That was one of the best lessons I got off of the first years of high school. Being okay, being uncomfortable, and ask as many questions as I could to learn my second language and to learn how society worked as a whole in this country because it's completely different from where I was growing up. Um, so yeah, high school was very important for me. Um, I was able to skip a whole grade. So I went from ninth grade all the way until, um, 11th grade. And so I didn't do 10th grade, which was great because I was able to graduate on time. Um, and when I was almost done with high school, I remember I told my mom after high school, I think I can go to work with you to the factory. And she said, no, you won't. You're going to go to college. And I said, no, like, I don't want to go to college. It's scary. Like, people, really smart people make it to college. I can't make it to college. And she said, well, you have the choices. You go to college or you go to work. 
there's no other way around. I will support you if you go to college, but I will not pay for anything if you don't go. You will have to support yourself. And I thought, okay, I think I go to college. And yeah. so <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about how to get into a college. So my mom said something very interesting. She said, you need to look for a mentor. I, I had never even heard that word before. Where did my mother get this word? I have no idea, but it was great that she threw it out there. She said, you need to look for a mentor. And I said, what is a mentor? Like, where do I find one? Do I pay one or oh, how do I find one? And she said, um, no, it's somebody in your school that will tell you how to get to college. It's somebody that is an expert on things that you want to do. Like in this case, you want to go to college, go talk to your, to maybe a counselor that can be your mentor. I said, okay. So I went to, I, I went to my high school and I remember her name was Miss Loya. Uh, if Miss Loya is out there, I, I, I thank her very much for helping me in my journey. Uh, Miss Loya in Huntington Park High School, she took the time to explain to me how the process was to go into a university. Mm. Um, one of the things that I learned very early here in um, the United States is that if you have good grades the, and you don't have the money, the government will pay for you to go to college. That's a support system that we unfortunately don't have in Mexico. And so the first thing that went to my head was like, wait a minute, so if I get A's and B's, I can get my college paid. And and that's what I did. Like I, my focus was getting A's and B's. I mean, I'm pretty sure I got a C somewhere mm-hmm. there. It wasn't, I think it was in chemistry. He was the worst. Uh, but my main focus was getting A's and B's and classes that I wasn't doing so good on, I would take um, my summers to be able to increase my, my grades. And so that really helped me. So when my mentor came in, in high school, she said, you know what, you have a 4.0 GPA, you can apply anywhere. And I said, what does that mean? I don't understand you still. And she said, well, people look for GPAs and this, that's how good you are. Now we're going to get you to your, to do your SATs and your ACT. Um, I think it's another one, ACT. ATC. Yeah, ACT. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. It's been a while. And so um, she got me all in line with that. And she said, and once we're done with that, we're going to start applying for FAFSA. And I, I didn't know what she was saying either. So I said, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I don't know what you're saying, but I will do it. And so she helped me apply for FAFSA. And we applied for other scholarships. And by the time I was done with high school, I was already in line to go into a great private college. Here was the caveat, though. I hadn't received yet a full financial aid from FAFSA. My mom didn't have the funds to send me to college, and it was a private school. Mm-hmm. Um, the name is University of Laverne. It's very close to Cal Poly Pomona. And mm-hmm. so when I was going to go to college the first year, it was going to be about $30,000, $40,000 if you live there or something like that. I couldn't afford it. Um, I remember going to my class for my uh, computer science. Uh, and at the time, they were teaching us Microsoft. And my computer teacher said, like, what's wrong with you? And I said, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm going to go to college. And he said, what's wrong? Like, did you fail all class? Did you not have enough credit? And I said, no, it's not that. I don't have the money. Like, I got accepted, but I don't have the money. And he said, <laughs> he started laughing. He said, money's going to stop you. And I said, yeah, like, that's a big part, you know. And he started laughing. He said, oh, honey, you have no idea. In this country, you want something, you will get it. He said, look, you already have your money. And at that time, like I had my folder with my acceptance letter, you know, and I was thinking maybe I dropped a check or something. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a check in here. And he was like, yeah, there is. And I was like, where? And he said, it's right here. And he just went like that to me. He said, it's called a leap of faith. Have faith that you already did the hard work through all these four years of high school and that whatever it is that you need to get, the universe is going to provide to you because we live in a country where there's tons of opportunity. You're going to get that money and you're going to go to college next year around this time you're going to be in college learning so much and having the best time of your life and this is not even going to be a thought and i thought he was joking no he wasn't it really did happen i started applying for other um subsidiary items like um i think i had my university give me a scholarship de la Cruz gave me a scholarship fafsa completed everything and yeah thankfully i was able to go so High school was a very critical time for me. It was nerve-wracking. It was exciting. It was sometimes very sad. But it was definitely the foundation that made me believe in myself to take that leap of faith and grab on to something that I didn't even think I could accomplish. That's great. It sounds like um, 
you had a, a mother that was already dead set and knew what you, she, she put you in the path that she, you, that was correct for you. And she knew exactly how to uh, get you in that direction. <laughs> and that's, 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 that's a wonderful thing um, that moms have that vision for us, you know, Latinas. And, and when you went through the fact that you had a four point average is great. Did you start looking at the FASA on your senior year or was it the junior year or actually you started from freshman and went to senior, correct? So, so what point did you talk with your counselor? Was it right in your senior year? No, that's a great question. Actually, I started that process since I was a junior. Good. And the reason why I did it as a junior was because as soon as I, I, because remember I didn't do 10th grade. So I went from ninth grade to a junior. When I came into a junior, that's when my mom started talking to me about, you need to go to college. And so <clears throat> as a junior, I found our our high school counselor and we started working on programs. So we used to have, and I don't know if they still offer them. I hope they do. There's some early classes that they give to students about how to fill up a, find, a FAFSA application the correct way mm-hmm. or how to find a Pell Grants or how to find a scholarship. And we will have workshops. The workshops were, I remember we used to have them once a month and we will, we will, she will find us because at the time it was the paper FAFSA. So she will bring this huge staff of FAFSA papers and she will give them to us and say, let's pretend we're applying. And that's what we will do for a whole hour. We will go through the application, fill it up um, so that we will be familiar with what the information was kind of make a list of items that we were going to ask our parents for, like their taxes, uh, maybe letters of recommendations. If, like I had some friends that um, their parents were divorced, so they had to get to different types of documentations. Be mm-hmm. familiar with the documentation you needed, right? She mm-hmm. also put us in the pad to be prepared for the ACTs and the SATs. So we will have on Saturdays, the pretend preparations and it was at four hours of pretending to having that test Kaplan she got us this huge Kaplan box um, with flashcards and um, again I I don't think I did that great because I didn't know English so for me the memorization of the English and trying to put things together was pretty challenging but it did definitely help me Um, and so we did that the whole year of junior by the time we were seniors we started this whole process and um, let me think about this she said, apply for FAFSA before January. Let's get all the FAFSA going your last year of senior between uh, starting in December. She said, because if you apply after December, and this this was her belief. I don't know if it's true nowadays, but back in the days, this was the belief. If you apply after December, most of those grants were already done. They were gone. And so she used to say, send your FAFSA in December. There's a holder in there that says, um, because there's a question that says, have you taken the SAT? Have you taken the ACT? Would you be taking them? In our case, we will be taking them because those weren't given until January back in the days. Mm-hmm. So she will say, "Put, I'm taking it and put the day that you're putting it because there was a, an area where you could put that. Mm-hmm. And so you will just have to go online later and update when you got your results. But at least all your documentation was already in and the reason why she believed it was important to get the FAFSA in during this period of time, again, between um, November and December, was so that if there was any missing documentation, you could submit all of that. So by the time you're ready to go to college, all of the paperwork is done. And even if you didn't have an acceptance letter, you kind of more or less know what colleges you want to go to. So you put them in the list so that FAFSA knows exactly where you're intending to go if you do get accepted. And so that's exactly what we did. Here's the caveat. What happens if you put a university in FAFSA, but you don't get accepted? That's not a problem. You can always go back and update your FAFSA and mm-hmm. present a letter where you were accepted, but at least your grant is already funded. And that's what we want to accomplish. Fund your FAFSA before your time runs out so that you have plenty of time to do whatever changes you need to do. But yes, it's definitely prepping for it for a whole year in junior and senior year. It yeah. is, I used to call it the, the prepping games. That's what it was. You know, you prep for something exciting. I know it sounds like a lot of work, but trust me, it's definitely worth it. You're right. It is worth it. And now they have um, 
also in Spanish and everything's online. So you can go to FASA in Spanish if you don't have it in English and you prefer Spanish as your preferred language, especially for an application so intense like that one. So that's great. I, I'm glad you you shared it with us, the process and having started early and kudos to your high school because I'm not sure all of them do that. I think they kind of leave it to a one seminar with the parents and they all come out, you know, like deers and headlights, wondering like, what am I supposed to do or where? And of course, um, most kids probably have a choice to attend those and not all of them probably do. But it is important. I, I think you proved that, that that is a, a very important step and to learn and be involved. And that's great. Yes, it's great to be involved in that so early. Yeah, definitely. One thing you want to do in high school, if you don't, if you are in a high school where you don't think they have these specific programs, go straight to your counselor. Make sure, and this is something I learned, and it's going to sound silly, but it, it turned out to be true. Um, one of the first things our counselor told us was, if you get put in a workshop class or mechanics class, but you want to go to college, please go change it as soon as possible and switch it for a math class. Even if you're already done with math, go to calculus or, or a physics class or a computer class. The reason why is because you want to make sure you're setting yourself up for a university rather than a trade school. He, she said, no, nothing wrong with it. It's your choice. But if you want to go to a trade school, keep the woodshop and keep the, the mechanics because then you're going to a trade school. But if you have your heart set in going to a four-year university, don't do that. Go straight for the maths, science, or switch it for um, computers. Anything that will put you up there so that you can go to those universities. I remember when I uh, when when he told me that, it was the second year that I was going to go, which was in junior high. And sure enough, they put me in Woodshop. And I went back home and I told my mom, mom, I have Woodshop. And she said, and what are you doing? Like, this is the first day you can go back tomorrow and say, I'm going to college. You need to change that. And I said, you don't have to go talk to them. And she said, I don't speak English. You do. And I was like, I don't speak English either. She said, I don't care. You're going to go back and you're going to tell them you're going to college. And if they have to call me, they can call me. But you need to go back and change it. So I went back. And sure enough, that's when they put me in class with my professor, Mr. Correa, in computers. And it was great. Um, I think I learned a lot because I didn't know how to use a computer either. And so it was great preparation to know how to use a computer. So when I got to college, I was computer literate instead of being really lost because that's what it is. Our kids, fortunately, now are growing in computer literacy 100%. But I'm pretty sure that there's other classes they could take that could set them up for success in, in a four-year university. Again, nothing wrong with the other ones, but you need to decide, am I going to a trade school or do I want the four-year college? What do you want? Mm-hmm. Good point. You're right. And there, that is excellent because yeah, too many choices. Sometimes you can take the wrong choice mm-hmm. and it's not really going to benefit you uh, in your future in college, but you're right. You had to make a decision. Some, for some students, college might not be right. They want vocational mm-hmm. school. They want to go into the trades, uh, but definitely at least have under your belt that, you know, those courses in case you do want to go to college. So I think yeah. it's great. Good advice. So then from there, how did you transition into college? Uh, and what was that like for you? Perfect. So number one was choosing my career. When you're applying for college, there's two things. You can go undecided. I think that's what they call it, right? Undecided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Undecided. Or you can, thank you. Or you can go ahead and say, um, this is my major, right? And so when I was looking for a major, the first thing I did, I started going to the library and um, doing research because um, at the time the, the internet was the big thing. You know, we're talking about 1989, 2000. <laughs> uh, so I used to go in, in the browser and, and um, like do research as to what statistical data did I have to find out what job was going to give me the most money in the next 20 years. I wasn't looking for the next three years, the next four years. I wanted the next 20 years. And the train of thought was I'm 18 years old right now what am I going to be making when I'm almost 40? Like, that's what I want. And so the one that kept on coming up with the highest return was technology. Whether And, and I wasn't too sure what technology meant. I was like, okay, I'm going to do my research. So I dug into it a little bit more. And it turned out that technology could be hardware, software, uh, networking, <clears throat> but anything that had to do with computers. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went ahead and checked it out and, and found out that there was something called computer science. 
I started talking to one of my friends in Mexico and um, we both came to the conclusion that computer science was going to give us the most money in the next 20 years. Of course, uh, my friend was going to school in Mexico and I was going to school over here, but we both took that route. And so when I told my mom, she said, what are you choosing? And I said, it's computer science. And she said, what is that? And I kind of explained it to her and she said, it's going to make you money. I said, yes, it was. it's going to make me money for sure, mom. She said, okay, do it. And she said, wait, wait, what's the percentage of females in that in that um, specific career? And I said, well, it's hardly any, like it's mainly male dominated. And she said, and you're going to do that? I said, yeah, I don't speak English. I'm really good at math. Um, computer science doesn't speak back. I don't have to go to classes and give big speeches. I can literally sit down and do my math or whatever I have to do and nobody's going to bug me. And she said, okay, if you want to do it, do it. And so that's how I came up with computer science. Like I did, I went to Laverne and that was the first thing I put computer science and my teachers were amazing. I had a great computer science teacher. Her name was Sarah Whitby. She's still out there. Miss Sarah Whitby is in the University of Laverne. And she used to always encourage us females because in our department, um, my classes were always females and two other girls all the time. Like it was really male dominated. We hardly ever had any females. And out of all the females, I was the only Latina. The rest of them were from other backgrounds. So it was very impactful for me to see not only am I in a male dominated um, career, but I'm the only Latinx. It was mind-blowing. We had other males that were Latinos. You know, I had plenty of friends that were from Guatemala, El Salvador. There was other ones that came from Mexico. But I was the only Latina in there doing computer science. And that kind of gave me a little more feel. I thought, wait a minute, this is going to be huge in 20 years. I'm probably going to be able to make an impact. So I'm staying here. Uh, (laughs) Don't ask me how long it took me to do my first uh, my first C++ code, it literally took me 10 hours. And it was funny because it was literally an output of Hello World. Everybody in that mm-hmm. class finished that within 15 minutes. And I sat there for 10 hours looking at it like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. <laughs> because everybody had been coding for many years before me. Like some of them used to take coding clamp classes in the in the summer while I was mm-hmm. taking ESL classes. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't discourage me. That actually made me think, I can do this. Like, if I learned another language, I can totally do this. And so I did. I, I definitely just stuck in there, and here I am today. That's great. That's wonderful. And it's interesting you talk about the code thing, because I know now, I think there's an online, is it cold ca- Code Camp or something, where you can go online and learn code on your own, in your own pace, which is really awesome, and it's free. I can't remember what it, the link is, but... And, and I can relate to what you're saying, because it's like when you're teaching yourself, it's even different. <laughs> but that is really cool. And so then, so you got college paid for, which is awesome with all this. And you went through and decided on your curriculum or what you were going to focus on. Did you have mentors when you were in college or, um, and did you take internships or anything like that while you were in college or, or, or did you move on after you went to college and looked for a job instead? No. So it's very interesting you bring that up. And and yes, I did. To answer your questions, yes, I did have a mentor. I did have an internship. And I definitely did not come out of college with a job. Okay? That was discouraging. And no, for me, it was discouraging for my family. And I'm going to tell you why. So the first thing about a mentor, yes. The first thing I did when I went to school, I found myself a mentor. Um, My teacher said I would be. She aligned me with two classmates that were really good in our computer science department. Um, And they helped me a lot to start coding and feeling like I was part of the department. Um, I had him as my mentor for a whole semester. uh, And it was, it was both, um, they were both really good with me. They were, at the time they were working on their senior project. Um, I didn't do any of that with them. I used to shadow them, see what they're, what they used to do with their triaging of their train of thought, um, how will they test their code, um, where where would what would they do if they found something faulty? So the, the whole process of developing was really cool to see. The second year I was in college, I actually got me another mentor, but that one was for discovering who I was. By the second year I was in college, I was already not liking computer science as much because I was starting to speak English and I'm a natural 
um, how would you say it? I'm a social person. I'm a mm -hmm. natural social person. And so in a computer science degree, sometimes a lot of the times we will spend even three hours not talking to each other because you're coding. That's what you're doing. You got to get that to work. And the only time we will talk to each other was like if it wouldn't render or if you couldn't find exactly where the code was breaking, then we had to call each other like, hey, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but other than that, our classes used to be fairly quiet until we were done with our project. Um, not that it wasn't great. I mean, everybody in there was super nice. But for a person that is a social person, that at some point became a little bit soul killing. Um, mm -hmm. I took a class in public speaking. Um, my professor was Professor Ian. And he was great. He explained to us how easy you can give a speech just by having a few words. And uh, the more I took this class, the more I knew I liked public speaking. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to change my, my degree. I'm going to be a public speaker. So <laughs> I went and talked to him and because he was the chairman of um, Laverne's public speaking department at the time. Um, and he told me, I will give you an advice. You know, you have a really thick accent. You will need to work on getting rid of that first. And, hmm. and know that you cannot do it. But let's take a look at your curriculum. And I had already done so many computer science classes. Like I had done all my core in the first year. I was in my second year and I was already almost done with the other part. He said, my advice to you will be stay in computer science, but continue developing your speech. Um, you don't want to come to ours, um, to our department and, and come to find out that you don't like it and leave that one behind. Continue taking classes to develop your speech, continue doing it. But if you don't have a clear idea what you're going to do with public speaking, don't do it. He asked me that. He said, do you know what you want to do with public speaking? That was a great question. I had no idea. I just knew I, I wanted to talk. And he said, yeah, mm -hmm. see, most, most people that take public speaking, they go into politics or they go into law school. Do you want to go to law school? And I said, no, definitely not. Um, he said, so those are things you have to think about when you're making a transition. Huh. He said, what do you want to do with computer science? And then I explained to him how I make the how I made the choice. And he said, you know, stay with that one. That is your choice. That is the right choice. Your data says it, but continue developing your speech. I said, okay, perfectly fine. I'm glad he told me that. And then I went to my mom and told her that I was going to change my major. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to finish what you started. <laughs> and if you want to get a second major, you do it when you're done. You're not going to leave things halfway done. You started this, you finish. And I thought, okay, I'll start and finish. And so I went through my four years. Again, every year I always had a mentor. I had a mentor for English because I was terrible at writing. My syntax was bad. Again, my speech was bad. So I had a great mentor, one of my classmates. Uh, he used to work for Learning Enhancement Center. So he used to help me look at my papers. And so, yes, I had a mentor for English. I had a mentor for computer science, um, mentor to find my career path if it was right for me. I always had a mentor. I never let go of my mentors. Um, for my um, De La Cruz scholarship, I actually had a mentor as well outside my university. My mentor was a financial advisor. And so she helped me a lot to find out if I ever wanted to come in banking, which I never did, you know. But yes, mentorship was definitely always the most. Internship. I did have an internship, but it didn't land me a job because I ended up getting married before I graduated. So I had to wait another year to finish and yeah. I became a mom, so I, I was a stay-at-home mom for, <laughs> I think it was like five years. So, no, I didn't come out of college right off the bat with a, with a job or even a degree. Like, I married before I finished. I don't recommend that, but if you're going to do that, have it in the top of your head. You're going back for that degree. No finishing a degree is going to put you behind in many ways, and so that was what helped me a lot. Coming back, finishing for my degree. Yes, I stayed five years at home, but during those five years, I always um, thought I'm gonna get me a, again a mentor, and I'm gonna start learning what is what is um, relevant today, so that I can get a position where I want to go in technology. Hmm, that's great. What um, with the mentors? Did you seek them out, or how did you find them? Because you had a variety of mentors with different uh, backgrounds that were helping you in various areas of your your uh, journey, which is really neat. Did you seek them out, or how did you how did you connect with them? Some of them I found on my own. Uh, for example, my English one I found on my own because I used to. I actually did not do really well in college the first year with English. I flunked that class and I had to retake it again in the summer. When mm -hmm. I realized I wasn't going to get any better on my own, I went to the classmate that had the eight, and I asked him, "Is there a way that you can help me bring up my grade?" 
Like, can you teach me how you do proper syntax? Can you teach me what to do with this? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And so I seek that one. The For the computer science one, my teacher, um, Sarah Whitby, she's the one that connected me with my other two mentors for that semester. De La Coo, which was the program that was giving me my scholarship, um, they connected me with that financial advisor that was my mentor for a whole semester. So some of them I, I did on my own, uh, two of them I did on my own. The one for my career development in English, the one for financial was through Telacu, and the one for computer science was through my professor. Wow, that's really good. That's good. I mean, it's that's amazing actually because I, I don't I don't hear very many people in college that find that many mentors. So that was awesome that you did that, and uh, but your mom was really proud of you because sounds like she was also. Uh, someone I'd like to meet. <laughs> He's just like driving you all the time. You're like, okay. Now, most teenagers would not say, okay. They would probably say, no, I'll do it my way. So <laughs> kudos to both of you because she pushed you and then you also listened and evaluated things. And and it was good that you were, you continued this. So let's continue with the journey and, and let's see how did you go from to where you are today is, you know, you were in sales engineer. So what happened after you graduated from college? So after I graduated from college, actually, I did not graduate with my class. I married before that. Oh, that's right. And I had to wait a whole two years to be able to graduate. The good news is during those two years, I went back to college and I got a computer science degree with a minor in business administration, which was great because now I didn't only have my computer science as a major, but I had background in business administration, which really opened my eyes as to, wait a minute, there's more to computer science than just coding. Like there's a whole sales cycle in it. If, if we're making software or someone is making software or hardware, there has to be a team that has to be selling or there has to be a team developing. So I, it kind of put in perspective, wait a minute, I can still use my degree and do something else. And so after I finished that, we moved to Las Vegas and I started working as a contractor for a company called Telus International. So in Telus International, I was doing, it was, uh, to me, it was actually really cool. It was about 10 years ago when Google was starting something called DFA, which was digital marketing for online, um, online ads. And so they hired me to help troubleshoot the back end of some of the digital, some of the digital ads they had. And, and my job was to identify if the if the HTMLs were uh, compatible with the JavaScript that we had. Around that time, the, the whole HTML to HTML5 conversion was really big mm-hmm. um, because JavaScript was no longer going to be accepted. Now it was going to be iframes. And, and so it was really neat to learn in that job how that transition happened. I wasn't coding again. I wasn't doing anything of computer science that I learned, but I was definitely learning how to troubleshoot and how to communicate with customers to make sure that they were successful with their product. Mm. That's a big thing nowadays, especially when you're selling SaaS. You need to, and in SaaS, it's mainly like you're selling software as a service. That's what you're doing in SaaS. And back in the days, you used to buy a disk included in your computer, and now you have an application. Now we're doing it different. We're doing it through the internet. So you're buying SaaS software as a, as a service and you need to make sure your customer is successful. Uh, me learning that specific trade during that small contract was huge. I learned about marketing and it wasn't just regular marketing. I learned about digital marketing, which was up and coming at the time. I learned a ton about how to listen to a customer and be empathetic with them. I learned mm-hmm. a lot about my own limitations and how to ask for help. Um, a lot of the successful people I know, their rule number one is if I don't know within the first three seconds, ask for help. You could be losing very, very significant time just by being afraid of being wrong. Everybody is wrong at some point. The the worst thing you can do is to stay quiet and not ask for help. And so after I did that, I went into marketing. I got hired <laughs> as a digital marketing manager for um, Allegiance Airline for a company called SKG Marketing. Mm-hmm. It's no longer a company here, but it was a great company to work for. I was there for about three years. And then after that, I got the opportunity to go into software. Finally, I went into a company called, at the point, at the time it used to be called Bluepoint Solutions. And so they did software for credit unions. 
I was in love with it. I thought, oh my God, this is it. I'm going to software. Um, and I started as a technical support account manager. Um, the role was great. It taught me a lot about how our software worked, <clears throat> database management, application upgrades, server maintenance. And so things that I had never even touched on when I was in college, I learned through this company. Um, then the company got bought out and we became Allogen and I stayed with them. I And, and you know, here's one thing that I, I feel like I made a mistake on. I didn't want to make a move in my career because I was raising my children at the time with my husband. So we had to have this crazy schedule. And I used to think if I change my career, I won't be able to attend to them. So I need to be passive with it right now. And then when they're older, I can be aggressive. But right now they need me. So I'm just going to prepare as much as I can, learn as much as I can. So when they're on their own, meaning like 13, 14, I can go full force in my career. I don't regret it. I think it was a really good choice because it gave me the opportunity to learn as much as I did, but also gave me the opportunity to be a mom and a wife. So it was it was a good pass for me. Um, I became a cloud, cloud applications engineer in that company. It was a great position. I learned tons about cloud computing. Now everybody wants to be on the cloud. So even our applications were going to the cloud and we had customers that didn't want to have their staff on-prem. So I participated in a lot of those uh, migrations. I was the person making sure that those systems were up and running and ready to go. Again, I had great support from everybody. Um, the team was always there, but it's, it takes a team. It's a whole team. It's not a single person. It's, it's a whole team that is meticulous and proactive to make sure that all these cloud transitions happen. Mm. Um, after that, during the pandemic, I got scouted out by a company called CrowdStrike. Uh, CrowdStrike is a cybersecurity company, and cybersecurity has one of this has been one of those things that I always wanted to explore. Uh, I was a technical support account manager there again, but my role was more to interact with the customers from Latin America and Brazil. Oh, and so I had to learn Portuguese to manage my customers in Brazil, and it was a great, great challenge, and it was just a great learning experience. Yeah. For those of you guys that don't know what a technical support account manager does. It is a very important role nowadays when we have a SaaS company. Technical support account managers are the people in charge of making sure that the customer is happy, that the customer is able to get the most out of the product, that the customer talks to us, the company, whoever the SaaS company may be, about what's good, what's bad, and what can change. So we are that little, um, I like to call it the glue that sticks the company between the customer and the sales process. Because the sales process doesn't stop when you sell a product. It, you need to educate your customers. So that's what it does. From there, I came into a Splunk. And on Splunk, I started as a TSAM, but I recently got promoted as a sales engineer. And so sales engineers have to have good software skills um, as well as technical skills. So I, I really feel like my background in um, cloud applications really helped me be a good asset to Splunk as a sales engineer because a lot of our customers and a lot of people want to go into the cloud. So if I want to help my customers, I got to be educated as to what they want so that I can help them and give them a good advice. But it's definitely a ramification that is a good place to go to in, in uh, technology. You don't necessarily have to just be um, a coder or just a network engineer or an application engineer. There's other ramifications in the technology part that are very interesting and welcoming. Hmm. So you got a pretty good, well-rounded experience in the technology uh, with SaaS and cloud and where you are today and, and being able to utilize that as a sales engineer. I think that's very valuable. That's really good. Um, what is it a typical day for you now as a sales engineer? Well, typical day now is the rule number one of sales engineer. What are we learning today? Um, as a sales engineer, you have to make sure you learn something new every day regardless of our products, our products are constantly changing. And to make sure that our customers are up to date or that our customer get the most out of a product, my job is mainly learn. Learn so that I can teach, learn so that I can identify how we're going to do things. My daily routine is to start in the morning and the first thing I do is I like to look at my calendar, take five minutes to go through my emails and take a little a little notebook to make notes of what's important, what needs to get done today, and what can be pushed tomorrow. That's one of the things I had to learn very early in my career is how to organize my day, to be able to do the most out of my days without burning out. Um, 
in the technology world, it could be very easy to sit 10 hours and you don't even notice because you're busy, but that's not healthy. Sitting down is the new smoking. It's really bad for health. And so I have to organize even the times that I'm taking a break. I got to make sure I have a timer every 30 minutes to get up and go get water or even just to stretch my legs, uh, 15 minutes to do tasks that are easy to do. You know, uh, One of the things that I use a lot is called the Pomodoro um, process. It, it was used by Einstein. It's 25 minutes. So you set up 25 minutes in your timer. You don't look at your phone. You don't read emails. You do the task that you chose to do. If I chose to do a course that I have to do for a presentation, I will do that course for 25 minutes without stopping. I will not answer a phone call. I will not talk to anybody. I will not do anything other than focus on that. After those 25 minutes, I have 10 minutes of break to walk around, do whatever, and I start all over again. Um, it really helps me keep me organized. Yeah. Pomodoro. That's great. Great advice. And definitely it does help you be... Um, you know, basic disciplined, it sounds like disciplined in what you need to accomplish, which is really cool. That's great. Yeah. And sales engineering, it's pretty neat. I mean, I think uh, you, you brought everything together, what your goal was as far as being a speaker, but also you kept with computer science and all this came together. And, and I, I, I've gone through sales engineering as well, but a little bit different. I was more in the automotive field. So with Buick, I was a district sales manager, but I learned that you do have to do speaking a lot and speaking yes. to dealers, speaking at conferences, everything. But in sales, you learn how to negotiate. And that's, I think, a very important skill because in life, you negotiate all the time um, in your own career or anything that you do. Do you find yourself doing a lot of that? Definitely. So one of the things that I would like to give an advice to our viewers today and our listeners is, number one, learn your worth very early in your career, even if you're in high school and learn how to negotiate. Uh, life is about negotiation. Negotiating doesn't mean that you're too demanding or you're too forward. Negotiation means that you know exactly what you want, that you have the data to back it up, and knowing those two things, you can get whatever you want as long as you know how to ask for it. Sometimes, and it's unfortunate, um, I've been looking at the studies about which cultures are the best paid cultures in the technology world, and it was heartbreaking to me that Latinx come at the bottom. Latinx are the least paid. And when you look at it from gender, male and females, the females are the ones that get paid less even than the males. Latinas, especially. Yes. And I started thinking, is this trend sexist? Is this trend, um, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but is this trend due to our background, cultural background? What What is really going into this whole discrepancy. Really, I come to find out that it has nothing to do with sexism or racism or anything that ends in ism. It's all about how, how early do you learn to negotiate? And as Latinos, unfortunately, we don't learn that very quickly. I remember my mom would tell me, like when I would get a job, she'd be like, take it. And I would tell her, but it's only this much, take it. You may not have another opportunity. Mm. And I used to, now that I think of it, I'm thinking, wait, if somebody's willing to hire you, it's because they want you, because you have a skill or skills that they need from mm -hmm. you. Why not look and see exactly how much that skill is worth and negotiate? Yes, maybe they might not give you what you want, but you're not going to end up with the bottom either because you know your worth. And so I think that's where we came to find out. I started, um, I started talking to some of um, my other colleagues about how they feel about negotiation. It's unbelievable to think that even at this age in time, there are some of us that don't know exactly how to negotiate. And I say some of us because that was me about five years ago. I recently learned how to negotiate properly, and it has made a huge impact on the way that my life has gone and my income. It's, it's a huge difference. It's not about flaunting how good you are, because in, in our Latino culture, they teach you... Uh, no seas presumido. Don't be telling everyone what you're doing. Don't don't be telling everyone you're good at this or don't be flaunting. Yeah. Um, it's not that. It's, it's the fact of presenting fact. Fact, I work eight hours a day. Fact, I complete projects on time. Fact, you give me a cert to complete, I will do it. Fact, I speak three languages. All of those facts add up to monetary uh, pay. It's like when you go buy a car, you were talking about you being a dealership. 
sales engineer. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that you had customers that came with their faxes straight. Like this car is not worth that much. I know, or this car is worth this much, but I want to negotiate how much I want to pay a month. Mm -hmm. That is no different than what we should be doing with our own careers in our life. We need to negotiate. We need to make sure you come to an agreement. You know, um, some companies might even give you what you want just because you were able to articulate right. what you wanted. Negotiation is very important for those of you girls out there. Anyone listening, please start learning how to negotiate. There's great courses in YouTube, how to do it. If any of you guys want to reach out to me, I'll be happy to provide some of my own insights. Uh, but yes, definitely having a sheet of who you are, what your skills are, and look at your rate in the market. What are you worth? What are your skills worth? And learn how to say, I love your company, but I would love for you to pay me this much because I have the skills for it. You're right. And, and it does take some practice because you need to do it more and more often. And the more you do it, the more better you are at negotiating. Definitely. You do show your worthness, that what, what your worth is really important. And I think as a, as a Latina, sometimes we, like you said, how oh, your mom was saying, just go ahead and take it. Sometimes we do take, you know, a lot of them will just take it. They don't feel like they can speak up, but we really have to teach them that speak up and be really understanding that your worth is very important and you have a lot of value. Like you said, you have three languages. That's an awesome value. Um, I think companies sometimes undervalue that. I see a lot of positions for bilingual call centers and I'm shocked at how little they want to pay someone who knows more than one language. And, yes. you know, that, that is, that's not right. I think uh, it's also a lesson learned for companies because they're going to lose out on somebody who's, perfect fit for that company someone who will elevate that company even mm -hmm. further with those yes. skills so thanks for sharing that that's really good so if you went back to high school now that you had all this amazing <laughs> journey i know you what would you advise yourself is there something that um that through that journey you would go back and say hey you know other than listen to your mom, but you did listen to your mom. So that would, <laughs> you listened to her. So no advice on that one. But what would you advise yourself? I will definitely advise myself two things. To be kind to myself. Because as a teenager, I remember there was a lot of times that I wasn't kind to myself. And I'm not talking about physical kindness. I'm talking about the thought of, you don't speak the language, so you must be really dumb. And I felt like that. And I remember going home talking mm -hmm. to myself like that. You're such an idiot. I can't believe you even. And in those conversations, I can't even stomach nowadays to think. I even said that to myself. Be kind. And most of all, be calm. When you're a high school student, it's difficult to be calm. There's a lot of different moving parts. You're finally discovering yourself. You're discovering who you are. But you have the pressure of your friends, peer pressure. You have the pressure of your family. What are you going to do when you grow up? You have your own pressure of who I want to be. And so in all this whole pressure, we forget to be calm. Everything is going to pass. You know, things that you did today are not going to matter in 20 years because maybe your state of mind is going to change. But if you're not calm in that moment as a high school student is starting your life and you let all this stress get to you and paralyze you, that could be very counterproductive. So stay calm, take a deep breath. All of this is going to pass. Just deep breaths. You can do this. It's, it's, it, life is going to be hard at any minute. The difference is going to be how you approach it. The outcome is different depending on your approach. And if you cannot be calm through those moments where you need to be clear-minded, things get a little bit rocky. Be kind to yourself and be very calm. Don't let anybody tell you you want something if you don't want it. Stand up for what you want. You want to go to college? You go to college. Even if your friends say, oh, you're such a geek. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe you have those dreams. Because those are kids out there. They're, they're terrifying, the things that come out of their mouth. Um, or, oh, you're spending too many hours in the library. Or, oh, where are those dreams? Like, why are you wearing those shoes? Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's about how you feel. Be kind to yourself and be calm. Everything will be fine. Just stick to your guns. Yeah. That's great. Uh, that's great advice. So I thank you so much on that. And, and also, I, I, I think it's great that you became a mom, and you pursued still your path. And I think it's important message that everything can continue on, even though life happens, you know, you do find the right person, you find that you want children. Yes. But it doesn't mean you can't continue with your path that you want to further. So I'm glad you share that with us. So that's very important. Yeah. And uh, how old are they now? 
<laughs> okay, so <laughs> I have three. So my oldest one is my oldest because he is my husband's son, but um, he lived with us since he was 11. He's now 24. Very proud of him. Uh, then I have my 15-year-old. Uh, he's the reason why I got married so early. And then I have my 13-year-old. Yes. So wow. they're 15, 13. And like I said, now they're on their own. They're doing their own thing. They have their own activities. I can take my career full on. And I don't feel like I skipped a bit. I was able to be there for their first steps. But I'm still here to be able to be uh, Latina and take the way I always wanted. That's great. Thank you. I think it's wonderful. I think it's very important that uh, they know that because it's. I think it's value. Thank you so much, Estella. I think everything that you shared is so valuable to them to understand and certainly seeing you. If they can't see you, they can't be it. So so I, that's my motto. And I know that um, you definitely was inspired Latinas that are right kind of scared not knowing what to do right now going being in high school so thank you not a problem and if anybody ever needs advice um, my LinkedIn um, you can go ahead and drop it for them I'm open to 15 minute conversations for whatever it may be interviews writing that essay because it's very important to write that essay for that sentence letter Um, I'm open to helping anybody Uh, my schedule sometimes get hectic but if you write to me and you say I need help I will try to make my best to make time for you. I want to see more Latinas that go into tech and live a great life because being in tech and being a sales engineer is definitely a great life. I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. I have time for my career, for my family. I love the company that I work for. um, And I'm even having time to develop my own speaking brand. So it's, it's a great place. Why not come on over? That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And part of this platform that we're doing here is actually a mentorship program. So we'll make sure that, you know, we add you to the list of mentors to connect with Latinas and make it easier to work with your schedule too. So they know that not only they'll get to listen to you in this um, podcast, but also the fact that you're available and, and, and work with your schedule would be really great. So I'll make sure to add you to that list as we develop that. So that's great. Well, (laughs) thank you again. So I appreciate everything. Not a problem. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Well, this concludes Asa Latina. I appreciate you joining us and I look forward to you joining us in the next.